Appreciate that, guys. Uh, good job on the song there tonight. It's an awesome, awesome thing to know that we are redeemed, right? We've been bought with a price, and uh, we're not our own anymore, and uh, we're a child of the King. That's an awesome thing. And uh, those are the college guys here. They do a, a great job. A lot of things around the church they contribute to. And uh, they did the nursing home ministry today that the staff does once a month, and they saw uh, one of the ladies there get saved this afternoon. And uh, it's a nursing home slash rehab uh, type ministry, and it was only a, like about, a, I think he said, 47-year-old lady and, uh, that accepted Christ as her Savior today. And so they're just thrilled about that, and it's exciting to see that kind of uh, thing take place. Who's got your Bible this evening? Let me see it. Where's your Bibles at? All right, hold them by the spine. We're going back to youth group here tonight, all right? And I've got candy to prove it, all right? Okay, here we go. Let's just pick at random. Daniel, chapter 4, verse 7. Daniel 4, 7. Oh, no cheating, Miss McVicker. Bible's in the air. Hold it by the spine. Do I have to do the whole rules thing here? I mean, come on. All right, say it back to me. Daniel 4, 7. Go. I'm not watching. Holler out if you stand up. Who was it? It was Nate? Uh, it was Nate. All right. I hear it from multiple places. Oh, he's forfeiting. He doesn't have it. Fault. Fault. All right. It goes to Megan. She doesn't have it either? Okay. Go ahead. Yep. Good. All right. Hershey's, dark chocolate, Hershey's with almonds or Snickers? Snickers. All right. 
Thanks there, Cody. All right, let's do another one. I'll try to keep better eyes out this time, all right? Let's see. Let's see what you got. 1 Thessalonians 2, 5. Go. Come on, there's a bunch of cheaters up in this middle area here. Holler. All right, Trisha, I see it. Yes. Dark chocolate with almonds. Dark chocolate. All right. Good. All right. Now it's crushed dark chocolate. Um, good. All right. We'll do one more. I've got one more candy bar. I know there's a lot of you that want this Hershey milk chocolate with almonds. All right. Let's go. First Samuel chapter 17. I didn't finish. What are you doing? Stop jumping the gun. Just reading the whole chapter. First Samuel 17, 1. Simon didn't say now, folks. Come on. <laughs> Ready? Go. If Miss Mangus gets it, I'm not giving her the candy bar. Right here. All right. Good. 17-1. Good. All right. Here we go. Alex dropped the candy bar off there. All right. Well, hope. What? No, no, not even honorable mention. <laughs> All right, you were one of the cheaters, but he was trying to use his phone and he still couldn't get there in time. <laughs> All right. Um, everyone, First Samuel chapter 17 this evening. <clears throat> you just closed it, you were there. I know, I should have told you to keep it open. First Samuel chapter 17. This past summer, uh, the, the, we went off to different camps and conferences and at uh, the youth conference we were at, I was able to preach to... Um, the group that was there, and then I did a split session with just senior high uh, boys that were at this session or at the conference, and I preached the message um, out of First Samuel, Samuel chapter seventeen um, on in uh, resurrecting your Goliaths, and um, and this is really the second part of that message, and I only got to about half of it uh, there at the conference, and and so you get the second half of a message you didn't hear the first half of. Um, but I w- I'll give you just a, a little snippet here to kind of uh, get us going the right direction and um, the, kind of set the, the, uh, the scene for us here. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 20, we're all familiar with the, the story that is found here, the story of David and Goliath. And, uh, and we see in verse number 20, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight. And shouted for the battle for Israel. And the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. When David hears uh, for the first time here what these men have been hearing for days and days and days, that Goliath defies the armies of Israel, that Goliath defies God, uh, it triggered something in him. You know, that's, a, that's a big word today, triggered. Everyone's triggered about something. Well, David was triggered back here. He was upset when he heard what they were saying about God, and he couldn't handle it. He couldn't stand by and let it go. And, uh, and we see here uh, that uh, uh, David is, uh, hears the, the disrespect, he hears the defiance that uh, Goliath uh, has uttered against the name of God, and, uh, and he, he can't handle it. This isn't going to fly for David. And so if you jump down to verse number 34, we see, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flocks. And, and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And David, he came down here and he saw Goliath defying God and and as I said, he, he was not going to stand by and let that take place. And so 
uh, he, he got extremely upset about it. He was upset at the men. He was upset at the people who were standing by. He was probably upset at his brothers. Oh, why aren't we doing something about this? He even utters those famous words, is there not a cause? And he, and he goes and says, fine, if no one else is going to do something about this, then I'm going, to, I'm going to take this into my hands. Something has got to be done. And uh, we see that it's his, his frustration. It's his um, love of the Lord. It's his faith in God that drives him, that motivates him to say, something must be done about this Goliath. And he's not going in on his own strength. This isn't some cocky arrogance. I'm, I'm something special. I'll, I'll go defeat this Goliath. No, he... He goes in acknowledging that, hey, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear and it was the Lord that delivered them into my hand and he also is going to deliver Goliath into my hand, this uncircumcised Philistine. He'll deliver him into my hand as well. And so we see this very common story here. We see the the frustration and the anger of David. We see how he must do something about this blasphemy that is taking place against the name of the Lord. But time passes by. David becomes the anointed one. David develops friendships with Jonathan and others. David, well, he gets married. He has some children. He becomes king. He's becoming incredibly wealthy. And it comes that time when kings go forth to battle. And we know the story of David and Bathsheba. Where David sins with Bathsheba. And if you jump forward with me, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 14. I want to, this is again setting the the, uh, stage here for where we're going. But 2 Samuel chapter 12 verse 14. This is Samuel now speaking to David about his sin. and, And he's given him his consequences, or he's about to give him his consequences. And he says in verse 14, how be it. Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. What did David hate so much about Goliath? That he blasphemed God. That he dared to lift up his voice in defiance of God. That he would stand up in the middle of of, of that mount, uh, that valley of Elah. Right outside of the gates of Jerusalem, right outside of the the capital of the the Israelites, that he dared to come down off of that mountain and defy the Lord God. That he would blaspheme the name of God. But in just a few short years, the very thing that David despised, that he could not handle, that he couldn't stand by and let happen, he becomes that same problem. Howbeit, because this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The very thing he hated, he brought back to life. The defeat of Goliath was not the defeat of a giant. The defeat of Goliath was not the defeat of a great warrior. The defeat of Goliath was the fact that God would give the victory and that God is a jealous God and that we ought not to take his name in vain and we ought not to blaspheme him. And that's what David was fighting for that day. The thing that he hated and what he saw, the thing that he hated the most, he actually became though. He became great occasion for unbelievers, the uncircumcised, the the people like Goliath, to blaspheme God. What a sad, sad state of affairs for David. The thing that he hated the most. You know, in our lives, if we're not careful, we also will resurrect our Goliaths. There are things that we will bring back to life that we hate very much. Things that we despise, things that we knew were wrong, things that we couldn't stand by and let take place. And we'll see them in our lives and maybe it's something that you caught early on in your Christianity while the fire was still burning strong. Just like David had just come down off of the mountains where he was defending his flock and killed that lion and killed that bear. Uh, he was on a, a spiritual high, if you will. He was, he was on fire for the Lord. 
And he couldn't stand by and let this defiance take place. So he hated it. And as we get saved and we grow in our Christian life, often there's things that we notice or we learn and we're just on fire about them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these things or I'm going to stop doing those things. It could be any number of things. could be soul winning. We get saved and we're so thankful that the Lord saved us. And man, I got to tell everybody. And then it just doesn't become important anymore. And what we're doing is we're resurrecting Goliaths again. We're bringing back battles, things that we've already seen victory in in our lives. We're bringing them back where now we've got to face and fight these same battles over and over and over and over again in our lives. But God doesn't want us to have to live a life of repeated battles. You don't gain ground by repeating battles. Now you can keep the ground you have by repeating battles. But you're not going to gain ground by repeating battles. It's just status. There's no movement. And we need to be growing. We need to be climbing higher. And David resurrected some Goliath, or a Goliath here in his life, and he brought great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme God. And the question that we'll, we, we're asking tonight to start off is, is it possible that there are Goliaths that you are resurrecting in your own lives? Things that you have battled with before, things that you fought with before, but you have brought them back. You're fighting them again. Or maybe not fighting them at all this time. Maybe like Goliath's brothers or the other men, you're content to let this battle go. So it happens a lot of times the older we get in our Christianity. The battles we used to fight, we don't fight anymore. They come back up, they rear their ugly heads in our lives, and we no longer feel the, the passion that we once had to fight them. And so we stand by, just like these experienced warriors stood by David. And so... The, the challenge of the question was, is there, is there Goliaths that have been resurrected or are being resurrected in your life or in our lives? I have seen men who were called to preach while they were young neglect that call and at this point in their life are careless to that call. Why? They faced a Goliath, but then through a series of time or a series of circumstances in time, just like David had allotted that time there between the time he fought Goliath until he would be uh, supposed to be going out to battle, that time passed by and, 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 and things changed for him. There, there are men who have been called to preach and, and they're hyped about it and they're uh, inspired to do it, but over time they become careless towards that giant that they have fought, had fought before. People, as I mentioned before, were fired up for soul winning and, and saw the importance and the need. I've got to be a soul winner. I need to be a witness. It's, it's so important and you, you grasp it. You really get it. But as time passes by, it becomes something that is no longer worth fighting for. Other things in your life have crept in and seem so much bigger. Christians who were Constantly so submitted to the Word of God. Sensitive to the preaching of the Word of God. So responsive. Filling altars. Making decisions. Changes in their lives. Pastor even mentioned that on Sunday. As, as, he, as he asked us Sunday morning. And it, it is so true. It's, it's a phenomenon that I have noticed. As I stand down here every Sunday morning. And watch a half a dozen people maybe. Come to the altar. I mean, on Sunday nights, the altars are pretty utilized. And Wednesday nights, they're utilized. But it's like Sunday morning, it's like pfft, cold, dead. What, what, are, we, what are we doing? What's, what's going on? What's our responses? And, and a lot of times, God is speaking to us. And, and I understand, you can do business in your chair just as uh, well like, I, in your heart <laughs> as you can anywhere. But there is something about the altar and its significance and the humility and the walking forward and let us... 
that's a whole other thing that I can't get into tonight. Um, but we need to make sure that we are uh, being faithful and, and sensitive. But you know what? The thing is that there were, that was the condition of Christians at some point. But now that carelessness has crept in. Bus workers, Sunday school teachers, adult Bible class teachers. Just loving the ministry and loving the Lord and excited to do it. And then some time has passed. And it's not that big a deal. Careless. At some point, you, you faced the fear of talking to people. At, maybe at some point in your life, you had, uh, you had dealt with the, the requirements and said, Hey, you know what? It's worth it to serve the Lord. I, I'm going I'm to fulfill the requirements. No big deal. I'm glad to do it. But now that that giant has come back up in your life after some time, it's like, oh, I'm just careless. Not going to fight that battle again. We could go on and on. We could name things where people were once separated in certain areas of their lives. There was some distinction in our dress. There was some separation from the carnal, the carnal entertainment, the wicked entertainment that the world indulges in and, and the music of our, our society and our world. There was, there was some distinction. There was some separation there in the Christian's life. But as time progresses, we no longer want to fight those battles. Is it possible that we are resurrecting Goliaths? Well, the question, that's the question, and the statements I want to make tonight are, are to help us avoid that. Let's not resurrect Goliaths. Let's not make great occasion for the name of God to be blasphemed. We have a, a choice here, just as David had a choice. He did not have to fall into sin with Bathsheba. But it's, it's going to take some proactiveness in our lives. And so... First of all, I'd like you to notice tonight, if you want to avoid resurrecting the Goliaths of your life, first of all, you need to constantly or regularly recommit to being a simple servant. If you want to avoid resurrecting Goliaths, recommit to being a simple servant. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, and jump back there if you would, and we're going to work our way through this uh, quickly this evening uh, through the chapter 17. The first thing that we see here is in verse number 20. 1 Samuel 17, verse number 20. And David rose up early in the morning and left his sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. Verse number 22. And uh, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren. Verse number 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. We see that David wasn't anybody. He wasn't significant in his own eyes and he wasn't significant to the people around him. David viewed himself simply as a servant and was willing to do whatever was put in front of him. His dad said, go here, he went. His dad said, keep the sheep, he did. His dad said, be responsible for the cart. He left it with the keeper of the cart. He went to the king and he said, I'm just your servant, I'll do whatever you want. David had a, a mentality of being a simple servant for God. And this is why he was able to step up when no one else would and conquer Goliath because he was just willing to serve it didn't require a position it didn't require recognition it didn't require a fancy suit of armor it didn't require anything for David it's simply just to go do it and he said hey it may not seem like the hey it may seem like the odds are against me may seem like I'm just going to get pulverized by this giant but this is what God wants me to do and he's asking me to do it I'm just going to do it we start to resurrect Goliaths in our lives when we get the mentality that we're not the servant anymore. That we're somebody. That that's too difficult. That's too, that's too much. I can't believe the pastor would have so many requirements. What, you know, I'm, I'm above those requirements. I've been in this church serving for so many years. and Whatever it may be, and it can be a whole lot different than that. Your attitude may not be towards pastor. But what it boils down to is that you're not willing to simply just serve the Lord. There's an element of pride that has crept in. And you're not willing to serve at all. David, David was here. And we see that David would struggle with it his whole life. And even as we look forward to where he fell in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, it was the time when kings go forth to battle. But David didn't go. Why? 
Because his mentality had changed from 1 Samuel chapter 17 to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel 17, I'm a servant. 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'm the king. 1 Samuel 17, I'm nobody. I'm the keeper of the sheep. I'm the keeper of the cart. Over here, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. And we see the difference in the outcome. 1 Samuel chapter 17, victory over Goliath. 2 Samuel chapter 12, he is the reason that people now blaspheme God. Why? Because he no longer wanted to just simply be the servant. To be the low man on the totem pole. To do the simple, mundane, menial tasks. And, hey, I could say churches across America are filled with people who only want to serve with a title. But let's be honest. Our church has a lot of people who only want to serve with a title. We can be generic and point fingers to everyone else. Say, man, you're being a little harsh. Well, no. It's not harshness. It's Bible truth. There, are, there is so much to serve with around here. And so few people doing it. Flower beds that need weeded. Oh, man. I mean, I'm going to come up to the church just to weed. A, no one's going to see me if I come up and do that at night. I mean, it's a simple task, but why shouldn't the house of God be just kept up? Why couldn't someone just volunteer and say, hey, we'll come do that? Well, that's a staff's job. That's what they're paid for. We wish we could do it. And we're trying to do the best we can. But the church, the house of God, the people of God, we ought to gather together and just say, you know what, I'll serve. You need somebody in the nursery? You know, we had a great influx of people in the nursery about a month ago. And now we're back down to where we were a month ago. A bunch of people came in, a bunch of people went out. But it's, it's, there's so many areas like that around here. Classes that need teachers, buses that need workers, buses that need driven, maintenance that needs done, and souls that need one. But people have to serve in order to do these things. People have to say, hey, you know what? It's not above me. I'm willing to jump right in. I'll do it. I'll be the servant. I don't want to have to deal with Goliath again. I don't want to bring occasion for people to blaspheme God. You know what? I'll just be the simple servant. I'm okay with that. Let's be simple servants. And if you want to avoid uh, being one of those people who resurrects their Goliaths, you, you have to remember just to be a simple servant. Servitude requires humility. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Just listen, if you would, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, flesh, but by love serve one another. Yes, you're a child of God and you've got freedom to do whatever you want. If you want to skip church, go ahead and do it. You've got the freedom to do it. If you don't want to be a soul winner, go ahead and do it. I'm not going to make you. and God's not going to make you and he's not going to thumb down on you and, and force you into it. But if you're a servant of God, If the liberty you've received in Christ is genuine and real and you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you know what you're going to do? You're going to serve the Lord. You're not going to need to be thumbed. You're not going to need to be scolded. You're not going to need to be whipped. Let's just keep a mentality of serving the Lord. Secondly, if we're going to avoid resurrecting Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 37, it says, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Secondly, if we're going to avoid resurrecting Goliath, you must remember your victories were of the Lord. Your victories were of the Lord. You know, if we're not careful, sometimes we'll get a mentality that we're just accomplishing a whole bunch for the Lord. Or look at what I'm doing. Look what I'm accomplishing. No, the victories that you have in your life, they were of the Lord. The things that you've seen done and accomplished, they weren't you. It wasn't your talent. And I'm not talking about the false humility kind of thing. I'm talking about that we genuinely recognize that any good thing that I've ever done has not been because I willed myself into it and motivated my flesh to get it done and did it in my flesh with a bad attitude or for any other reason. 
The only good things, the only victories that we've seen in our lives is because God enabled us to do it. And because we relied on Him. And anytime we were doing those things without relying on God, they were not victories. They may have been successes, but they were not victories. And there is a difference there. There's a whole lot of people who are going to try to cast success at Jesus' feet when they get to heaven. And it's going to disintegrate as the wood, hay, and stubble will do. But the successes are the crowns that we will be able to take in a very physical sense and cast at his feet. Too many Christians, too many people, we get into the, the mentality of, man, I've, I've, I've served the Lord and, 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 hey, maybe you've been doing it, been at it for a while. Kind of got the idea that I'll let the younger people do it now. No, bring the younger people along with you as you're doing it till you physically can't do it anymore. So that way they see how it's supposed to be done. And then they'll continue in that, hopefully. And they'll train the, train the next generation. But stay at it. They say, well, I've done my part. I've seen the victories. God has used me. No, just, just keep at it. Those victories, they were of the Lord. And, and you're not going to see any victories if you go on in your life without them. So just stay right there with them. David continued on in his life. He defeated Goliath in this passage, but there would be many other times he'd face battles on his own. There would be battles that he would go into not looking back and saying, the Lord that delivered me out of the hand of the bear and the lion, he'll deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And there were great losses in his life because he went on in the victories that were of the Lord. You can resurrect Goliaths. You can keep on going on thinking, man, I'm getting it all done for God. It's just me. No one else is doing it, but I'm just going to keep pushing through. No, your victories, they were of the Lord. Remember that. Your victories were of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? There's nothing good that you have in your life that you haven't gotten from God. And don't pretend to glory as though you've gotten some kind of great victory in your life and not received it from God. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29, we hear those famous words by David. David said, what have I done? They were upset with him. Why are you making such a big stink? What have I done? Is there not a cause? If we're going to avoid resurrecting Goliath in our lives, we must refresh ourselves in what pleases the Lord. Refresh ourselves in what pleases the Lord. The Lord. When David came down that mountain and he saw that God was being defied, he couldn't handle that. He couldn't take it because it wasn't pleasing to the Lord. And he wasn't going to stand by and let it take place because it wasn't pleasing to the Lord. It wasn't that it just bothered David. It wasn't a personal uh, vindication that he was trying to accomplish here. It was because it didn't please the Lord. And he wasn't going to let things slide in his life that didn't please the Lord. And David knew that, that when he went down there, he said, you know what? No, no. As soon as he heard it, all the other men had heard it. But you look there in the passage, it says, and when David heard, when David heard it, bother the fire out of him. I can't stand by and let this go on. Because it doesn't please the Lord. We resurrect Goliaths in our lives when we stop refreshing ourselves on what pleases the Lord. When we're not walking with God and we're not constantly in His Word, even the things that we knew at some point didn't please the Lord, they seem to lose importance. If we're not constantly refreshing ourselves on the, the principles of the Word of God, it, man, it, we come to a point in our lives where it doesn't really matter whether or not the Lord's being pleased or not. Do you do realize that David's brothers could sit by and just watch it happen? The whole army could sit by and watch it happen. 
King Saul, the leader of the people, somehow was able to stomach this man on his property defying God. It didn't bother him enough. They were willing to let this man out here scare them into not doing something about this displeasure to God. Now listen, read this and and pay attention to the principle here. The armies of God, King Saul, David's brothers, the army, they were scared of what Goliath was saying more than they were scared of God being displeased. They were, and, it's, and if you go back and read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, it's, it talks about how when all the people heard, they were greatly, when they heard Goliath speaking to them, they were greatly afraid. That's when they retreated to, to their positions of, of compromise. Oh, we'll just stay here a while and see what happens. More afraid of what somebody says than we are concerned about what pleases God. Sound familiar about the world in which we live today? Is it not very true in our own lives? Drawn up and sucked into a trap of concern about what coworkers think or how we're going to make the wrong impression or how uh, we don't want to come off across as a, a stuck-up Christian and so we don't say anything. We, we just let things slide in our lives. It's, it, it doesn't bother us enough to actually say something about it. And we justify it in all kinds of ways. Like I just the aforementioned statements. Oh, I don't want my coworkers to get turned off to God. They won't be turned off to God if you just respond in love. And if you simply stand up for what you believe in. But the truth of the matter is, and what's really deep down at the core of what's going on, is we're more scared about what they think than we are scared about the Lord being displeased. And so we let the things slide in our lives that ought not to be there. We let people say things and we indulge in conversation that we should not indulge in because it doesn't matter so much whether the Lord is pleased with our lives as it does what people think about us. And Goliaths come back into our lives and we fight the same battles over and over and over and over again when we're more concerned about what people think rather than what pleases God. We've got to stop in our Christian lives. We've got to get into the Word of God. And we've got to start looking and refreshing ourselves. What pleases you, Lord? And how can I do it? But we're more concerned about what people think. Their opinions have us scared. Oh, I'm not scared. Yeah, I've been there. You've been there. We've been at the gas station pumping gas and God said hand a track. We've been somewhere with a coworker and they are just talking filthy. We've been at a restaurant and somebody's dropping all kinds of cuss words the booth over from us and we've got our kids there and the Holy Spirit says, "Hey, just go tell them to be quiet that they don't need to talk like that in front of children." Or somebody's taking the name of the Lord of God in vain. They're just doing it over and over and over again and say, "Hey, yeah, you know what? The Lord didn't have anything to do with this situation. Why don't you just leave him out of it?" I mean, it could be something simple and we can do it and we can interject it. But we're scared. Because displeasing people is more important to us than whether we're displeasing God. And David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? I've got to stand up. I've got to do something. Yeah, okay. You know what? My flesh is scared. And, stop, and don't try to deny it, because it is, that's your flesh, right? It's not the spirit. The spirit is willing, but the, the flesh is weak. And so we, we go through these battles, and the spirit's like, yeah, you got it. And the flesh is like, no, you don't. <laughs> and that's how we face life. That's why we've got to strengthen the spirit. That's why we've got to refresh ourselves in the word of God, so that when it comes to those battles, we can actually have victory. That the spirit is stronger than the flesh. But we constantly feed the flesh and feed the flesh and feed the flesh and walk into those situations expecting to see a victory where there's no chance for victory. 
so concerned about what people say. There's an old fable of, it's been passed down, down through generations, an elderly man walking with a boy and a donkey, and they're traveling, and as they travel through a village, a man that was leading the donkey and the, the boy was walking behind them, the townspeople said to the old man, you're a fool for not riding, why don't you just get on the donkey? And so he decided to please them and climbed on the donkey and traveled on. When they came to the next village, the people said to the old man, you're so cruel, let the child walk behind you while you enjoy the ride. So to please the people, he got off and set the boy on the animal's back and continued on his way. In the third village, people accused the child of being lazy for making the old man walk. At the suggestion, the old man and the boy both get on the donkey. In the next village, the people say, you're so cruel to the animal, making the animal carry two people at the same time. The frustrated old man was last seen carrying the donkey into the next village. But that's how sensitive we are to what people think. But when it comes to God, God clearly demonstrating to us what pleases and doesn't please Him. It's not so important. Somehow we're able to stomach it or let it pass by. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Let's remember, if we're going to avoid having to face the same giant over and over and over and over again, we've got to be more concerned about what pleases God than what pleases men. Fourthly this evening, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38, the Bible says, And Saul armed David with his armor. If you read 38 down to 40, you're going to see that scenario there where David says, I can't take this armor into battle. I can't use this sword. I've not proved it. He wasn't familiar with these tools, and so he wasn't going to try to go into battle using something he wasn't familiar with. He took his sling and his, his five smooth stones and his little satchel, and he marched out on that field, and he saw the victory. Why? Because David simply just went and obeyed with what he knew to do. And if we're going to avoid resurrecting Goliath, we must respond in obedience to God's guidance must respond in obedience to God's guidance. You know, far too often we complicate our Christian lives. We complicate things. We have all kinds of justifications for not doing or doing the things that we do, and all kinds of reasons for being here and not being there, all kinds of reasons for being soul winners, not being soul winners, being at church, not being at church, being a part of uh, serving in the church, and being a witness for God, and we've got reasons for everything. Everyone's got reasons for everything. I've got soccer, and I've got sports, and I've got work, and I've got, we've all got our reasons for everything that we do and don't do. But what it boils down to is, if you don't want to constantly be facing the same giants over and over and over again in your life, you better just buckle down and just start obeying. When God speaks to you, just do the simple. Do the simple well. Just obey. When he says, here's what you should do, just do it. It may not be what you want to do, and you may have all kinds of reasons that you can work your way out of it and justify not doing it, and we are masters, experts at justifying our way out of just about anything. But, uh, and I speak from experience. We can figure out how to justify it. But when it comes down to just having victory in my life and being used of God and not having to fight the same battle over and over and over and over again, I've just got to obey. When God tells me to do something, I've just got to do the simple. I've got to obey. And David said, hey, you know what? Yeah, there's all this complicated process here. I could take the sword. I could take the shield. I could take the armor. But I don't know if any of that's going to work. You know what? I'm just going to do what God told me to do. And I'm going to go with the simple tools that he's given me to do it. And I'm going to obey. Here it is. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. And David saw the victory over Goliath. But later on in his life, when he was above obeying, when he could justify not being where he should have been, when he should have been there, and when he went out onto a roof that I believe that he went out on purpose for because he knew the, the beauty of this woman, and he went out to look upon her and to lust after her, it was out of a simple uh, process that you and I all go through where we justify our disobedience. That's what took place. Justified is disobedience. And it brought him to that point 
where he brought back up the Goliath that he had once slain. What's the, what's the thing? I'm not saying that it's simple what God is asking you to do, but the process of honoring God and defeating that giant is simple. Just obey. What is the Lord speaking to you about? What has he been speaking to you about? Has he been speaking to you at all? And if he hasn't, obviously you've got to get in a position where he can. And then as he does begin to speak to you, just obey. Stop trying to figure out the ways to get around obeying. Stop trying to put on the fancy suits of armor and, and serve God in your own methods, in your own ways, and, and accomplish things in your own power. No, David said, I'm not going to go in my power. This victory is going to be of the Lord anyway. I'm just going to obey. And he went. And he obeyed. If I had to point to anything, why the, the altar doesn't produce an effect of change in our life is because the Lord speaks to us and we hear him, but we don't obey. It only lasts as fast as we can walk into the parking lot. We don't obey. Christians, just obey. Stop complicating. Number five, the final one tonight. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 25. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, listen, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. You can go on to read that dialogue between these men, but these men, your soldiers, here is God being defied. You know what's on their mind? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You see that there, the lust of the eyes? You see in verse number 25 that the king will enrich him with great riches? You see the lust of the flesh there? They'll give him his daughter. The king will give him his daughter. See the that uh, the pride of life, you see the position, make his father's house free in all Israel. See what happened here is the people had shifted their focus off of God and put it on their own personal happiness. See, David walked into that situation looking at what God had done. God's going to bring the victory here. I can't, I, he's, he's delivered me from the lion. He's delivered me from the bear. Man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go out there because he wants me to, and he's going to bring a victory. I'm just as excited as you are to see how this is going to end because I don't know, but I'm going to go out there with my sling and some stones, and I'm going to go charging at this giant who's three or four foot taller than I am, and I'm going to sling a rock at him, and hopefully, miraculously, somehow it gets through all of his armor. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it because that's what God told me to do. And I want to please him. So here I go. You know, all the men that were standing by, they're all standing there focused on what they can get out of this situation. Hey, you know what? If we can kill this giant, the king's going to give us this, and he's going to give us this, and he's going to give us this, and he's going to give us this position, and man, we're going to be set. And a lot of the reasons that we face the same giants over and over and over again in our lives. It's because we're not worried about pleasing the Lord. We're just worried about our personal gain. We attend church for personal gain. There's some kind of emotional or prideful itch that's scratched by being around. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it happens. We serve the Lord for pride, for prestige, for a position. A lot of different reasons that we do these things, but there's a lot of reasons people serve the Lord for personal reasons. And David said, you know what? It's not about personal reasons for me. I just want to please the Lord, and I want to see him do a great victory. And so I'm willing to just go ahead and jump right in. And he slew Goliath. There's people, Christians, so often today, and social media is the worst for it because you see it on there all the time, that they're just... They're constantly bemoaning their situation in life. Nothing good ever happens in their lives, let me tell you now. Never anything good. Serving God for personal gain. 
What can I get out of this? Filling that lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and pride of life. And we'll face the same giants over and over and over again as soon as we take our eyes off of God and turn them down to our own personal gain. The Lord speaks to your heart about some area. And you double down with overtime at work and say, oh, I'm going to give more to God. You've taken your focus off of God and put it on that personal gain. There's so many areas of our lives that we do that in. Where we are just after what we can get. Rather than what pleases God. All of us face giants. All of us have Goliaths. Let's just not resurrect them. Let's not face the same giants over and over and over again. You don't have to. Let's have spiritual growth in our lives. Let's not be the Christians that Paul had to deal with. It said, now that it's time that you should have been on meat, but I have need to, to come to you with milk again. Let's not be Christians who've been saved two, three, four, five years, but we still haven't nailed down uh, some semblance of a personal walk with God. Why are we still fighting that giant? I know that there's patches and there's times. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're still fighting the same giant that you can't, in a week, you can't be pretty consistent on your relationship with God. Why is that still 10 years, 12 years, 15 years? Why are all these basic things that the Christian believer ought to be, have, have already seen the victory in and, and already been moved on from? Why are they constantly being brought up? Because we keep resurrecting them, not because God keeps bringing them back in. We keep resurrecting them through our choices, through our behavior, through our lack of taking it serious. So let's not resurrect Goliaths. Recommit to being the simple servant. Remember your victories were of the Lord. Refresh yourself in what pleases the Lord. Respond in obedience to God's guidance. Refuse to let your focus shift to your personal happiness. Be concerned about what pleases the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer tonight, if you would. Father, we do thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, you know what we need when we need it. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, take this truth and that you would help us to apply it to our lives, Lord, that we would not get in a position where we are resurrecting the same giants over and over and over again. Lord, may we take the steps that are necessary to strengthen the spirit so that we can, through your help, defeat our flesh. If you would stand with me this evening as the piano begins to play. If Lord